Hello! If you're hearing this, that means you get the internet. And if you get the internet, that means you can watch the live stream of the live show that we just did recently. We did a half the Noose Olympian, half Potterless live stream live in North Carolina, and it was an absolute blast for TNO. We did the first two chapters of the first book in the Heroes of Olympus series. And for Potterless, we did an improvised Big Brother format where we put a bunch of Harry Potter pets in a battle to see which magical pet would reign supreme. The video has gorgeous visuals and crisp audio, and it's a multi-cam set up so it feels very dynamic like you were there you can watch that stream until march 17th at 11 59 p.m and you can get tickets at my website shubes s-c-h-u-b.es slash tour again that is s-c-h-u-b.es slash tour to watch the replay of the half potterless half the new Olympian live show that we did recently i hope you enjoy it Thank you so much for tuning into this bonus interview episode of The Newest Olympian. My name is Mike Schuber. I'm the titular Newest Olympian. And as you may have seen when you clicked download or play on this episode, that it's going to be a bit of a shorter one today. But I still have some interview questions from the interview that I did with Jet Wilkinson, who directed episode six, as well as episode five in the upcoming episode eight. So first, we will get into those questions. And then after that, I'm going to talk a little bit about some other episode six stuff and then also some fun updates with the podcast. So first, let's get into the jet questions. The first one that I asked is about the Cracker Barrel billboard that you see in the beginning of the episode. And I would also like to thank every single person who wrote to me to say that they eat a Cracker Barrel all the time after I accused Cracker Barrel of being a money laundering front. And look, maybe they're all in on it, but apparently people do eat a Cracker Barrel and people have been questioning the fact that I lived in Texas for a decade and never ate a Cracker Barrel. And I'm very happy to report that I surround myself with good people in my life who bring me to restaurants that don't suck. I do appreciate the people who reached out saying that they ate there, but the food was bad. But they ate there as a kid on a car trip. And that really is where Cracker Barrel operates is that it's just, you know, side of the road food. And I think that's like their main target is just like, well, you're on the highway and you got to eat somewhere. So here's Cracker Barrel. Maybe you like playing that triangle golf tee peg game. Anyway, I asked Jet about the Cracker Barrel billboard. Here is Jet's response. Moving on to episode six, there was something that I picked up on that I wanted to know if this was just like a fun detail, if this was an intentional thing. When they're driving to Vegas, they pass a billboard and it's for Cracker Barrel, which I think is very thematic in that there are always Cracker Barrel billboards in the U.S. Mm -hmm. everywhere you're driving. And on the billboard, it says cooking up the classics. Was that an intentional like Greek reference or was this just like, oh, this was a predetermined Cracker Barrel ad and we just put it there? There's always those little Easter eggs that we put in all the time. And <laughs> okay. our um, production designer, Dan Henner, was always sort of finding those special little moments and those special treats to put in for people to notice and enjoy. Yeah, I, I thought it was very fun. And something in episode six that I thought was so fun, and I think this really is a credit to you with your directorial choices, the whole driving the taxi cab out of the parking garage was 
so funny. Like <laughs> full belly gut laughs. Right. What all goes into doing something? Obviously, the joke is that there's all this like triumphic music and it's going to yes. be this big thing. And it's just like the worst driving you've ever seen, the slowness around the curve. Yeah. What all goes into that? Because you absolutely nailed it. I was really happy with that. And, and the kids did really well. Walker was fantastic. You know, that's, again, a, a lot of um, that changed a little bit. The location changed and sort of the different concepts sort of evolved. But I remember, again, it was John saying it would just be so funny if he thinks he's got this and then he just like totally, you know, smashes a car. And so it was really funny just to play play with that with the kids and with Walker of like, I got this, I got this, this is easy, I can do this. Because the last thing he says is, you know, um, how hard can this be? And then um, he yeah, totally um, screws it up. But it's it was funny and it was a lot of fun to shoot. Yeah, it looks like it was a blast. You know I had to work in a question about that incredible taxi cab garage scene. Oh, Now, here is the last episode six question that I asked Jet. If you listen to the New York Comic Con bonus episode that I posted earlier, you will know that I asked the VFX team what is a cool VFX thing that might have gone unnoticed. And Jeff White told me when they did the Iris message thing, they used an iPhone flashlight and a Listerine bottle to make that effect happen. So I asked Jet about it. Seems like that VFX stuff happened all after the fact because Jet was confused, but here's me asking that question. In episode six, when Annabeth is using the prism, it was yep. an iPhone flashlight on a Listerine bottle. <laughs> is that, that, that's what I was told. I don't know if that was maybe used after for the effects. That Was that something done live or is that like the effects might have done that to, to do the superimposing? I mean, maybe they did that afterwards. Okay. But what we used on set was the actual, was the actual prism. I, I think we used the actual prism oh. um, on set. And maybe they enhanced it okay. later. But I know I've never heard of a Listerine bottle on an iPhone. That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> So those were the episode six relevant questions from Jet. There is more from that interview to come after episode eight has gone live and I post the episode eight bonus interview episode. So stay tuned for that. And speaking of episode six, I don't know if you, the listener, are one of these people, but it seems like a lot of people in the Percy Jackson fandom were not big fans of episode six. I don't know that this is the case with the average TNO listener. This seems to be more in other places where I don't spend as much time, but apparently there's like Reddit threads and TikTok threads and some Twitter threads about how the episode was bad. I thought it was great. I don't understand all of the backlash. There were some changes, but I see no downside into bringing book five stuff into book one with the Hermes and the Luke of it all. And I've talked about this with other Percy Jackson podcasters, not necessarily on TNO, but I think it's a really smart idea to bring in the book five stuff into season one. I don't think it is a spoiler in any way. I don't think that it waters down the impact of season one or the story of the lightning thief. I think this is an example of what Rick was saying, where if he could do everything over again, he would probably change some things. And I think that's what happened here. I think it makes sense. And I had even commented about this on the News Olympian when I got to beginning of book five, they were really laying the Luke backstory on heavy. And it felt a little bit like, oh man, we got to make it more sympathetic. Felt, I don't think truly into too little too late territory, but it was kind of in that vein of like, okay, the intro of book five is where we're going to start to have some sympathy for the villain. So I think that this is a perfect opportunity to really cement Luke's backstory and make him more understandable as a villain and I think more compelling as a villain. So I saw that critique going around. I think that 
bringing in the main overarching villain stuff makes sense because, I don't know, when Rick is writing these books for the first time, I don't think he knows what exactly the whole big picture plan is. I know that he probably had a thought of it since he's introducing Kronos and Luke and all of that. But as far as the specifics, there's a really good chance he didn't come up with those until far later into creating the series. So to bring it in from the beginning into the first book or the first season, whatever, I think it makes so much sense. So I wasn't bothered by that. I said some of the things that I wasn't as much of a fan of, but I don't think are super crucial, such as them knowing about the Lotus. And I think that that was just kind of where the show had to go based on some of the other decisions that they made. So I think it's fine. I also find it funny that some of the complaints people are making are things that weren't in the book. Some people are like, oh, they didn't eat the Lotus flowers. It's like, well, they didn't in the book either. That was just in the movie. (laughs) But I also think some of the comments and critiques that people have, I I would just wait because it is an eight episode series. This is only episode six. And there's certain things that might get resolved later. I'm not going to spoil anything here, but that's why my approach throughout this whole season, even when they made changes that I was confused about, my approach has always been, let's just see what they're doing here. Cause there's probably a reason. I know there's some people who have been really upset about the four pearls thing at the end. It's like, okay, why don't you just wait until the next episode to see what they do with the four pearls? So again, I don't really think that this is the average TNO listener. I know that there's some people who are upset with episode six and I've seen some of the critiques and commentaries, whether that's on Patreon or the subreddit or whatever. And I think some critiques are valid. I'm not trying to say that you're not allowed to think negatively of the show or have some constructive criticism for the show. But I just think a lot of the things that I've been seeing online about episode six and any sort of backlash towards it just feel... I don't know. This just feels like maybe it'll be washed away after people watch future episodes or it just seems like weird commentary that I don't think necessarily makes sense. Like people saying, oh, like there's no action and stuff. Uh, I still think that there was a lot of action. And then also people are like, oh, they took away all the high intensity of the Lotus Casino. I'm sorry, the chapter in the book where like they just like it only exists to be a distraction. I'm confused. I saw some I also saw one criticism where people said there was no zebra in the episode, even though it was called We Take a Zebra to Vegas. And I'll be honest, I missed it the first time. But then I went back and looked at it. There's a zebra there. It runs away behind the truck when you see it. So, yes, it is there. I also think some of the criticisms are coming from people who don't understand just how the TV show has to operate. And I know that I'm benefited by getting to talk to the production folks. And that's why I'm trying to put as much of that information on the podcast as I can so that all of you can understand. And maybe this is why the TNO listeners, I don't think, are the people making these sorts of comments. But I know some people are saying, oh, man, why don't they just make the episodes longer? You don't, you can't, you can't just do that. That is hard. That is hard to do. That is expensive to do. I'm sure there is direction from the Disney on high to keep things a particular length. You can't just do that in season one of a show. I'm sure as the seasons progress, if it gets picked up for more, they will be able to make things a little bit longer and get a little more loose with runtimes and stuff. But when you're making an eight episode season one, that's all you can do. And I've also heard some people say things like, oh man, everything feels so rough. But then also people are complaining that not enough happened in episode six. So I think there's a lot of commentary out there that to me just doesn't make sense. And maybe it's because people are used to 
consuming everything all in one go. I mean, even when you read the Percy Jackson books, you can read them all in one go. If you're me, it's different because I'm always waiting in between. So maybe I'm trained to be okay with waiting time in between things, but maybe because it's a whole thing where you have to wait week to week, it feels different. Like, I think it's perfectly valid to be confused by episode six and hesitant and unsure of what is ahead. But I think people jumping to that next step of, oh my goodness, they're messing up the story and they're telling it wrong before the whole story has been told, that feels wrong to me. Because I completely get some of the frustrations and antsiness. The four pearls, sure, that's confusing. What are they going to do with it? But then also, oh no, the deadline. Why did they change that? Well, let's watch episode seven and eight and see if there's a reason. So that's all I'm going to say is I feel like probably some of these critiques will wash away once people have seen the next episodes. So let's just let that be. But again, if you aren't enjoying the show or if you didn't enjoy episode six, you're completely allowed to. I'm just trying to give my points to why I think some of the critiques don't line up. But look, that's just my opinion. I'm just enjoying the show. I'm just having fun with it. And I'm not trying to belittle anyone who doesn't enjoy it. But I think I'm just trying to understand what's going into the adaptation. And I'm also trying to have a little bit of patience. So maybe that can help if you're feeling frustrated by the show. But shout out to the few people who have posited that I am being nice about the show because I want to keep my connections <laughs> as if as if one if I said anything negative about the show they would uninvite me from things or be as if the creators of the show don't want constructive criticism I don't know whatever I liked episode six I think it's good and I just would encourage anyone to just wait for the full season to finish before you jump to conclusions about like, oh my goodness, they didn't do the story right and they're messing everything up. Well, they got two more episodes, so just see what happens. Also, in regards to episode six, I did post a reel on Instagram that I thought was very fun where I did a big deep dive into how levitating was the perfect music selection for the Lotus Casino scene rather than Poker Face, which some people were hoping would have a comeback. So you can go to the newest Olympian Instagram, which is at newest Olympian, and you can check out that reel. Another point I didn't make in that reel that a lot of people in the comments pointed out that I think makes sense is that uh, Poker Face, first off, poker uh, maybe makes more sense when the kids are adults as they were in the Lightning Thief movie. These kids are definitely kids. Also, if you know the full chorus of that song, it gets rather explicit and having that play with the show with 12-year-olds in it maybe doesn't work as well. So I didn't even realize that until people pointed out in the comments. But yeah, you can check out that and a bunch of other fun stuff I've been posting on Instagram at News Olympian. And then I'm also on Twitter at News Olympian. Been posting some fun stuff there, such as a tweet about how I was scouring the background looking for Darren while everyone else was looking for the D'Angelos. But that was the easy thing to try to look for. I wanted to go niche. Now, with all of that taken care of, let's talk about some fun updates with the podcast before we go here. First up, I will be making a social media post today on the day you're listening about what we're covering in the Florida shows in February. So we have three half TNO, half Potterless shows coming up in Gainesville, in Tampa, and Orlando. The content will be different at all three of those shows, but me and my guest Johnny Frolicstein will be doing some Percy Jackson brackets. The topics that we're going to be doing for the Percy Jackson portions are a bracket to determine the best non-Persabeth demigod, the best god, and the best weapon in the series. So we'll be doing that. And then for the Harry Potter portions, we're going to do an improvised format of Love is Blind, the Netflix reality TV show. We're going to do one with heroes, one with villains, and one with non-wizard characters. So 
That'll be a fun time. You can get tickets for those shows at thenewsolympian.com slash live. That's also where you can get tickets for the Arizona show in Phoenix that's coming up, as well as the two shows in North Carolina and the new Denver show. What? The new Denver show? Well, you lovely people sold out the original Denver show. That is correct. We sold out the Denver show on February 18th, meaning we added an early show. So the sold out shows on a Sunday, we added an earlier show on Sunday as well. And you can get tickets to that at thenewsolympian.com slash live. The earlier show is going to be at 4.30 p.m. And I will say the content we're doing at the early show is going to be different from the content at the late show. So if you want to go to both shows, just go to the show, then grab some food, go to the second show, have a big old TNO Potterless Day, come through. It'll be a blast. But we are doing an early show. It will be different. So you can see two shows in one night and have a fun time. I'll be there at both shows. I'm going to have a good time. But yeah. Thank you for selling out that show and come through to the early show too. Come on. It's a Sunday. What else are you going to do? So head on over to thenewsolympian.com slash live for tickets to all of those shows. And then I have an update about merch stuff. So the beads and the pens and the camp regular person shirts were all out of stock. And by the end of January, they all should be back in stock. For some folks with beads, I believe you were able to place a pre-order for them. I think there's like 140 something pre-orders placed. If you are one of those people who have placed an order at some point in between when we sold out the last time and now, those beads will be in the warehouse, I think by like January 26th, and then they will start shipping them out. So you should be getting them in the near future. And then a restock on the pens and the shirts should be here by the end of the month. So then you can go and purchase those. I think that's everything I have right now for the podcast. We'll be back on Wednesday with an episode about episode seven. The guest will be Johnny Frolicstein, and I hope you enjoy that episode. We also have some other interviews in the works with some members of the cast and the crew and the production team. So going to have some fun stuff going on. We'll probably have a couple of those episodes after the TV show finishes airing. I want to do an episode where I kind of do a full retrospective look back thing about the full season with someone who has only seen the movies and then the TV show and then someone who has only seen the TV show and nothing else. So really trying to get the full perspective of what was this show like for every level of Percy Jackson fan. So we'll do an episode about that. We have some really fun interviews. And then once all of the TV show stuff is done, we'll get back into covering the movies. So we'll have some episodes about the Sea of Monsters. Then I'm going to do the musical. And then after that, I think we might get right into Heroes of Olympus. So I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. So thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And until I post another thing to the feed and we cross paths again, I'll see you later. This episode of The New Olympian is brought to you by Green Chef. Now, Sally Jackson has it pretty tough. She's got to work. She's got to support the family. She's got to deal with Smelly Gabe. She doesn't have time to deal with grocery shopping and all these other sorts of things if she's trying to make a nice home-cooked meal for the family. So what could she use? She could use Green Chef. Green Chef can take the work out of eating clean with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes featuring certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. 
Green Chef has a diverse menu. Each week, you can choose from over 80 flavor-packed options, and you can customize your meals to suit your lifestyle, whether that is keto, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, etc. And choosing Green Chef means choosing real, wholesome foods that don't just fill you up, but also support a healthy lifestyle. It's more than just satisfying your hunger. It's about feeling good with every bite. I have a box from Green Chef arriving today as I record this, and I'm very excited to give it a shot. The box that I signed up for was a plant-powered box. Trying to do a plant-based diet is something that I have considered in the past, but honestly, I have always thought, oh my God, that would be so much effort. So the fact that Green Chef takes the effort out of it has me very fascinated, and I cannot wait to try out these recipes. Thankfully, Green Chef did a lot of the hard work for me. If you are interested, go to greenchef.com slash 60olympian and use code 60 Olympian to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. Again, go to greenchef.com slash 60Olympian and use code 60Olympian to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. So check out Green Chef if you've got to put some food on the table for your family, but you want to make sure that you are eating well, do that, Sally, today. For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, aka the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of The Newest Olympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schuber. I also run the social media and the website. Our editor is normally Sherry Guo, but these bonus episodes have been fully edited by me. The music is by Bettina Campamatos and Brandon Grugel, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you're enjoying the show but you can't get enough, go to our Patreon. we got a whole bunch of bonus content over there. It's thenewestolympian.com slash Patreon. we got physical rewards like pins and stickers. We've got digital rewards like bonus episodes and the Patron 5 and all sorts of fun stuff going on there. You get access to the Discord. Lots of good stuff. There is also the merch that I had mentioned earlier at thenewsolympian.com slash merch. So you can get that stuff, especially once it's all back in stock. The live shows are at thenewsolympian.com slash live. And we're on social media at News Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I've been making some fun reels. It's been a good time. Follow us there. Check out the stuff we've got going on. I'm making good social media jokes. And I think you should check them out. But seriously, thank you all so much for listening. If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, talking about it helps. Just posting about it on social media, telling a friend, reaching out to anyone in your life that you think would enjoy the podcast. Just say, hey, there's this podcast called The New Olympian. I think you would enjoy it. It's very good. Hey, you've been watching the Disney Plus show and you want to read the books, but you don't want to actually read the books. Listen to this guy. Go through the books. He basically reads them to you. Anything like that is awesome, and I appreciate anyone who does that or who has already done it or will do it later down the road. But thank you so much for listening, and until you hear that next episode where we cover episode seven with Johnny Frolicstein, I'll see you later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.